Thank you, Madison. Appreciate your kind words about fatherhood. Uh, but really, there's nothing to it. You just get married, you have kids, and you're a father. And that's just what happens, right? Pretty much. Thank you for that time of worship as well. It was a ground-shaking experience right out of the book of Acts. I even saw the screen shaking behind us. The presence of the Lord was so powerful. And the training at Fort Pickett was powerful as well uh, while we were experiencing that. <clears throat> so if you, if you feel the ground shake, interpret it as you will, whether it's the presence of God or the presence of our military training to keep us safe so that we can worship the Lord in this place. Well, happy Father's Day to all you dads and uh, all you soon-to-be dads that um, I'm sure you have, if you're married, that uh, you're thinking about those kind of things. So this message is for you as well. But I just want to start with a few, a few jokes, just some very pure and innocent humor, though I was tempted to go the other direction. Uh, there's some good jokes out there that... But here's a few things. The little boy opened his family Bible. He was intrigued by its size. It had been sitting on the shelf. And he thought, finally, I'm big enough to tackle this thing. And so he gets it and he, and he starts to finger through the pages. And he opens it, the very first book, the book of Genesis. And um, something falls out of the Bible. And it is a big leaf that had been pressed between the pages for many years. And he says, Mom, uh, look what I found in, in our Bible and she said, oh, well, what's that, dear? He said, I, I think it's Adam's underpants. <laughs> like I said, pure, innocent, clean fun. So a little boy, uh, he gets lost at the YMCA. He finds himself in the women's locker room. And when he was spotted in the women's locker room, a burst of shrieks and screams and yells filled the room with ladies running and grabbing towels and anything that they could to cover up. And the little boy just watched all this and took it all in in amazement. And he just looked at them as they were covering themselves up. And he said, what's the matter with you? Haven't you ever seen a little boy before? Good response. Our text this morning um, is just one verse aimed by God directly at fathers. And I'm sure it's a verse that many congregations are hearing this morning because it is Ephesians verse six, chapter four. I'm sorry. Chapter six, verse four. Um, and you'll hear this again probably in about a year. Uh <laughs> Either from me or from John. John uh, is teaching through Ephesians. And he's at warp speed. He's in chapter 5. And probably about this time next year, he'll be in chapter 6, verse 4. But this chapter from the Apostle Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, words written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the Apostle Paul. So this is a message uh, directly from God, a word to dads. And I would say Christian dads because it's uh, in, enveloped in a Christian worldview and a Christian heart. Uh, it's, I find it from the very beginning ironic that they are written by the Apostle Paul because as far as we know, uh, the Apostle Paul was not a father. 
uh, and did not have any children. And so he wrote these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But he didn't have that kind of experience unless he babysat the other apostles' kids. Uh, we know the other apostles had families. Um, so he never changed a diaper, never got spit up on, never had to stay up with a, maybe a colicky baby and lose sleep under those situations. And yet this is, these are very, very powerful words. And I hope that this verse will be both challenging and encouraging to the dads here this morning. The first thing we notice about this one verse is that it begins with a negative. It doesn't jump right on into the positives. But just like the Ten Commandments, you have so many, um, the laws that God gave the world is thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. So they're negatives. And it's um, because God knows that's what our tendency will be to think this way because of the fall of man. We have proclivities and tendencies. And so um, God says, don't even think about doing this and don't do this and don't do that. And so as parents, there's many times that when we're uh, raising our children, we are thinking ahead about a situation that they're about to go into. And we we are thinking, well, this could happen and. And my son or my daughter might be tempted to do this. So we say, now, when we do, we go here, don't do this or don't say this or don't do that. And so it's it's just a good warning. And this is a warning to fathers of something that they shall not do, uh, a temptation that we may face in our fatherhood. Speaking about a temptation to possibly say something, it reminds me of a little joke by Jerry Clower. About the Leadbetters, uh, little Clovis Leadbetter, his neighbors uh, just gave birth, and uh, they had a baby. Now, unfortunately, this this dear baby was born without any ears. And when the mother came home with her new baby, she invited the Leadbetter family over to see her newborn. And before they left the house, the father sat down with Clovis, and he said, "Now." Listen, there's something I have to tell you. This little baby doesn't have any ears and I don't want you to even say anything about it. Don't even use the word ear in your sentences. Don't speak it. You need to be understanding here and be sensitive. And he says, I've, I've got it, Dad. And um, so uh, they went over to see this little baby and there's clothes. This thing keeps wanting to come off my ear. And uh, so he goes up to the crib and he and he just leans over and stares at that little baby for seemed like a long time. It was just a a few seconds. And and he says, wow, what a beautiful baby. The mother says, "Well, well, thank you, Clovis. That's very, very kind of you to say. Well, look at him. Clovis says he has beautiful little feet. Beautiful little hands and and a cute little nose and really big, beautiful eyes. She said, well, thank you. And he said, can he can he see OK? And she said, well, yes, he can see just fine. We're very blessed. And the doctor said he has perfect, perfect vision. Clovis said, well, it's a good thing, because if he needed glasses, he'd be in trouble. <laughs> The father tried to warn him. So what is it? uh, What's what's a temptation? What's something that fathers might fall into that God wants to warn us about when it comes to 
fatherhood. Well, that thing that we need to avoid and be proactive in avoiding is point number one, what I'll call buttons, which I'll explain. But it has to do with provoking our children to anger, specifically zeros this one area of life out. Do not provoke your children to anger. And the word there for anger, if you follow the root word all the way back, it was used in ancient classical Greek. And it was the word used to explain the wrath of a god and their, their mythical gods. And so it can be an intense kind of anger here. And it's very sobering, I think, when we read this verse that it is it is possible for fathers and, of course, any parent. But it's possible for fathers to parent in such a way that one of the things that they are actually accomplishing is that they are uh, pushing their children to the edge or the verge of becoming uh, an angry, resentful person, uh, someone that is carrying pain and hurt around. And God wants us to avoid that. And it's not saying that we know from Scripture that Dads aren't responsible for the behavior of anger. We as individuals are responsible for our own choices. But he's saying it's very possible if we're not careful that we can just push our kids and push our kids to right to that very edge. Now, it's their decision and it's on them if they jump over and, and turn it into a spiteful, evil kind of anger. But there's this potential that dads have to do that. It doesn't say that dads should never be the cause of their children's anger because that's just not realistic. And I have made my children upset many times for the wrong reasons, but many times for the right reasons. And that is sometimes if we really love someone, we're going to have to tell them hard things that's going to make them angry. We're not going to be able to just make them happy all the time because it's not good for them. It's not healthy for them. And so sometimes our dads may be the cause of anger. By saying no for a right reason or a good reason. That's speaking the truth in love. But we're talking about creating this, this frustrating, resentful atmosphere with our kids that they have to deal with. And it can eventually lead them to lives or mindsets of anger. So in other words, our children have buttons. There's your first point. They have buttons that we can push. If we push these certain buttons, we know what the result's going to be. It's going to be anger. And if we know our kids, and all our kids are different, but they have buttons. And I'm sure you dads, knowing your kids, know which buttons or which things that you can say or things that you can do or things that you fail to do that will push these buttons of anger. And it causes pain and it causes uh, just this enduring hurt that our children have to carry around. That relationship. So, for instance, I, um, I, as a dad, know what buttons to push in my kids to get an instant response of anger. And uh, sometimes it can be in fun and jest, and sometimes it can not be so fun. Um, now, Jessie's not here, and it's probably a good thing. But she, uh, her little buttons just have hair triggers, and so she's an easy target because you just say one little thing, and she immediately blows it out of proportion. But just to get a rise out of her recently, you, um, she got a new little puppy, she and Q, 
And um, so, of course, Jesse just loves that puppy, so proud of that puppy, takes pictures of that puppy, probably has its own Facebook by now, page, and uh, she loves it and, and very proudly named that puppy um, Rusty. And uh, just simply to get under her skin a little bit, because I can, I never call her proud little puppy by its proper name. I always call it Krusty. Or how's Musty this morning? Or what's going on with Fussy uh, this morning? And it just, she gets, it just gets a rise out of her. But I try to be careful not to go too far with that and um, say his proper name every once in a while just so she doesn't get too mad. That's pretty harmless, I think, at least on my end, I think it is. Maybe Quincy will tell me different. Uh, but there are things that I can do that were not so harmless. Um, one of the things... And I won't pick on Josiah this morning because yesterday it was his birthday, but I'll pick on the girls. But one of the things that I knew that I could say to my girls that just unnerved them um, because, you, you know, through, at, when they were teenagers, they just, you know how it is. You want to be viewed as an adult. You really want to just be known as being grown up and, and be mature. And it's very, very important you to to you to be seen as mature and grown up. And so if my girls ever did something that I thought was unwise or foolish, I would purposely say, now that was immature. Now how immature was that? And, and their face turned into a fist. I mean, they were, they were angry at that word. And I picked up on that, both of them. I don't, and, and at different stages, too. I don't know what it was, but I knew I had to be careful with, with when I said, well, that was immature. How immature was that? Because I knew um, that that was something that did not, it did not profit them. It just instantly pushed their button into a mode of anger. And I knew that anything I said after that was going to be pretty, uh, pretty, pretty ruthless. And I do want to just say before moving on a word to the kids. And that is all of us, I'm sure, carry some kind of anger or hurt. I mean, it, it just comes with life. Maybe our, our moms or our dads didn't do this. And, and a lot of people, it's, it's a big thing now to talk about uh, father hunger, but also father hurt. Just pains that we carry around. And I just want to say that there is a remedy to that, and it's called forgiveness. And uh, it's something that our world doesn't really understand very well. But it's forgiveness. We can release and let go the anger, any pain that we're carrying around from our childhood, from failure in parenting, whatever shape or form. Um, it's called forgiveness. So we want to, to be mindful of that. There are three people break it up in different ways, but there are three different things that we can do with our anger. We can deny it. Uh, we can hide it or stifle it or we can express it. Uh, if we deny it, well, we're just saying it's this isn't really happening. I don't really, that doesn't hurt me. That leads to to problems somewhere down the road. That's not a good way to handle our anger. Or, of course, if we stifle it or hide it, that just leads to problems down the road. That's not a good way to handle our anger. Uh, if we express it, that's a step in the right direction. But ultimately, we, we need to go to the root cause and forgive and not hold that bitterness and that hurt and that pain in. That is in our control. Uh, I'm sure you remembered um, watching movies. It was a big therapeutic movement 
about this idea of expressing your anger. And when therapy got very popular, you'd come in and you'd talk about your life. And the therapist would say, well, that's something uh, that your father did. You're carrying around this hurt in your heart and pain. And that's why you're behaving in this way. And you can't find any joy. And so you're really angry and it's all pent up. So here's this stuffed animal that I want you to take. And I want you, or a pillow. And I want you to express your anger to this um, this animal, I'm sure you've seen movies where they do it, and then the people just get very angry, and they just throw that animal against the wall, or they rip its arm off, or, and I'm so mad at you, and they, they just talk about all the hurt and pain, and then they feel so much better, uh, and they leave the office, and the, and the therapist is just a hero, because this person hadn't felt so good in years. And the problem with that is that it, it, it's right to express our anger if we express it in the wrong way. That's a step in the right direction, but it doesn't solve the problem. It never got to the root of it. And they think, oh, everything's good now. No, it's not. You, you better take stock in stuffed animals or pillows because the, the anger issues are still there. And the way that Scripture gives us to deal with these, it's forgiveness based on the, on, on the cross of Christ. It's the gospel. We really can be released from these things if we are willing to do the hard work of trusting in God in these ways. That's how we find the healing. That's how we get whole through Christ. And so even as kids or adults, if we have hurts in these areas, forgiveness. I just want to quickly cite this case study. And I, I got pulled away or sidetracked when I was thinking about this topic and looking at all this research that had been done with forgiveness and children. And, of course, we know there's so much brokenness in, in our world today and in our homes today. But um, I do want to just follow this one little case study as quickly as I can because it makes a very powerful point. Um, and this is a Christian counseling center that shares this with us. An empirical guide for resolving anger and restoring hope. Sean, a seven-year-old, became increasingly angry and rebellious with his mother after his father left the family. He regularly lost his temper refused to listen to his mother, and provoked his sisters. He also became much more defiant and narcissistic and demanded that his mother buy him new toys several times weekly. In the sessions with his mother and sister, Sean admitted, I am really mad at Dad. He doesn't care about us, and all he ever does is watch TV anyway. Sean's mother told him that his anger was hurting her and his sister's. And that it reminded her of his father's selfish temper tantrums. Sean became tearful and remorseful during this session and stated that he didn't want to hurt everyone or anybody. And he realized that the anger against his father was causing him to also hurt, bring even more pain into the home with his mom and sisters. So he agreed to let go of his anger with his father on a daily basis and attempt to avoid repeating his dad's self-centered behaviors. This intervention uh, motivated Sean, and when he slipped back into the oppositional defiant behavior, his mother would remind him and continue to remind him to, to turn these things over to the Lord. Give this pain and give this hurt to God and forgive your father. And over the course of several months, the work of daily thinking that he wanted to understand and try to, to forgive his father helped Sean gain more control over his angry feelings and 
behaviors. And so they just they chronicled this and this one simple act of being counseled and being taught, even as a young kid, to forgive. And what forgiveness is, is what brought wholeness into this family. It, it was God's peace coming back into this home where there was so much hurt and pain. It's the power of forgiveness. And, and we, as parents, can teach this to our children at a very, very young age. And they're going to need that in their lives. It goes on to talk about other things. The dad didn't want to come to counseling. And so this young boy had to continue to walk in that forgiveness. But this father provoked his child. But what exactly was it that pushed this child's button? <clears throat> it is probably the most predominant thing that causes anger in our kids as fathers. And it was called its disengagement. You know, his accusation was, you know, he was home, but he wasn't really home. All he did was watch TV. He wasn't really being a father. And it's just a reminder of the importance of the power and the role that we have as dads by just being a biblical father. What the, the, the peace and security that we bring into our child's life and our kids need things, certain things from us by God's design. There are certain things that they can only get from mom and there are certain things that kids can only get from dad and those things are uh, physical attention they need they need dad's physical attention to feel safe and secure they don't need dad's firm hands just in the discipline mode but they also need to know dad's strength in the protective mode and and the tenderness as well our kids need physical attention from us, but they also need verbal attention. They need so they need dad's touch and they need dad's words and they're wired that way. So when we give them that, we're just we're just blessing them um, and 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 creating a safe place for them in this world. But when we when we withhold those things that they come into the world needing, then this anger can be can build up and they don't even always know why they're angry, but it's just there and they begin to take it out on other things. So um, it's, it's common for this process of forgiveness to work. The, the study went on to say that one of the worst things that parents can do for their kids in these kind of situations is to make excuses for them. He says it's not uncommon either for the process of forgiveness to be blocked by parents who excuse all angry behaviors in their children, claiming that their behavior is solely the result of biological factors over which their children have no control. If we don't train our children to know their hearts, this is basically teaching them that there's nothing you can do about the way you feel and the way you think and the way that you're acting because of all the things that have been done to you. And it's teaching them that life is in control of them and all they can do is respond to it. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that Christ brings freedom and wisdom into our own hearts so that we can take control of our lives and live them for the glory of God and not just stay victims all of our lives. So as dads, we, we want to evaluate our parenting. We want to think about our kids. Do we see any uh, hidden anger in their hearts? Do we see any kinds of behavior that may maybe we're the cause of as we evaluate ourselves? Am I giving my child what God has 
provided me to give them so that they are developing the way they should? Do I have that heart? Do I see any insecurities there, unusual behaviors? And we can have heart-to-heart talks with our kids to find these things out if we don't know them. Uh, Kids know more than we think they do. You don't find that out until you get older, but uh, your kids know more than you ever think they do, and they need a a safe place um, to talk. I remember one of my jobs in in the house was to teach the kids math, and uh, I wound up teaching the girls at the same time for my convenience um, in class. And You know, I took my job serious and I really poured my heart into teaching them difficult concepts of math. And we worked hard at it. We went at it. And uh, then there was just, you know, we sit in there and they do practice problems and they they get it and they get them right. And everything was good. And then the next day they'd come to class and it was as if we never had the class the day before. Uh, and I'd put a problem just for review, and I'd say, okay, what's the answer? And they'd just kind of stare, and I, and, and I took this personal. And I'm just like, I don't understand this. It's illogical, it's unreasonable, it's irrational. That you, it's 24 hours, haven't even passed. Yesterday you knew it, you were getting every problem right. Today you don't even know what this means. And I don't, how is this even possible? You're sabotaging me. I'm on the verge of drugs and alcohol. I don't understand what is going on. How is this even possible? And I just was so upset and it, it took it so personal. And, and there's so there's tension in the math class a lot. Because of this. So one day, um, I, I think it was Abby this time, and I, and I sat her down and I said, don't cry. So I sat her down and I said, okay, this is not, me spazzing out is not getting us anywhere. So come over here, sit on the bed. What's in your heart? And she said, dad, sometimes we just have bad days. That was it. Sometimes we just have bad days. And I thought, my mind immediately went back to when I was a kid, you know, a teenager. And I thought, yeah, I remember those days. You know, for whatever reason, you go to school and you just don't get it. The next day you do. And it's just part of life. And we're not on the top of our game every day. And that's all she had to say. And I was like, okay, I get it now. Thank you. I wish I'd have done this a long time ago. So I didn't take it so personal. You get three bad days a year from now on, and uh, it's, it just cleared everything up. But just sitting down and having that heart-to-heart uh, brought peace back into the classroom. So <clears throat> what Paul tells dads just fits um, beautifully into the gospel as far as what he wants to warn us about. Don't go down that road. There's repercussions, there's consequences to that. But here's the road I do want you to take. And then he provides for us three things that we can do. Don't push these buttons, but provide these things that I'm going to call yardsticks, lines, and love. And you'll see why very shortly. Well, what do I mean by yardsticks? In this verse, he says, don't provoke them, but bring them up. And that's just an interesting concept because you're talking about increments of measurement. You're talking about growth, Dad. You're growing them and you're bringing them up incrementally. You're raising them. Some of the versions say bring them up or raise them. 
So it carries the idea that you're going from one stage to the next, just like a yardstick. And so we're showing our kids on the yardstick, here's where you are now, and we want to teach them and treat them age appropriately, what they can handle in that stage. And here's where we'd like for you to be next year. And here's the ultimate goal of this stage of what it means to raise you up and to bring you up. This is the ultimate goal of what we want to uh, accomplish. And so you're, you're showing them size of growth and treating them according to where they are and where you want them to be. And, of course, the ultimate goal in their growth is that the day will come when you will be sent out and you will be independent. You'll no longer be dependent on mom and dad. And we, we have these short years to impart in you the wisdom that you need to go out and perhaps have your own family someday. That's the ultimate goal between then and now. We've got some work to do. We've got some a teamwork to do and some cooperation. So it means that we have to be careful. There's a balance here. We have to be careful that we don't keep them too dependent on us because if they're here and we're training them or teaching them or treating them as if they're still down here that's not healthy for them the other balance is we don't want to kick them out of the house too soon say well you're 13 now you passed the the 12s you're 13 you're on your own you got to buy your own clothes and shoes and everything and your own gas for when you get your license and and if we kick them out too soon and we, and we force independence on them too soon, then they, they have insecurities. They still need some covering there and protection. And it's just too much to put on their shoulders. So there's this balance here, this idea of raising them up or bringing them up gradually. And when they're young, we can tell them what they can and can't do. But as they grow older, we want to help them make those decisions on their own. Give them opportunities. Now, what would you do? You know, last year I told you what you could and couldn't do. This year, uh, what are you going to do in homeschool softball? Or what are you going to do at BBS this year? There's the, you know, how have you grown and what decisions will you make on your own? And so we can impart these things so that they can choose uh, right and wrong. And, there's, and this requires something that I think that our Christian community, evangelicals, conservative Christian communities don't do so well at. And this means that we have to allow them to fail. We don't like our children to fail because it makes us look bad as good Christian parents. But but how many times did we fail growing up? And God uses in this broken world failures to teach us very powerful lessons. We never outgrow it. We're still failing even as adults. And God is teaching us valuable lessons. Now, hopefully the failure will be, you know, within the confines and the safety of the home. It's not a huge disaster, but we need to give a little rope and, and let them fail so they'll learn and to grow. <clears throat> Have to gradually let them uh, let them grow up if we don't. If we keep them too dependent on us, we stifle them. We're always there to protect them. We don't let them make any mistakes. We don't let them make any decisions on their own. Guess what's going to pop up? Anger buttons. They're going to resent it. They're going to resent never being able to make their own decisions and to grow in that area. And yet, if we send them out too soon, they're going to resent that as well because we put too much on them. So don't push the buttons. And we want to keep in mind the yardstick. And secondly, we want to remember the lines. 
as the second thing as far as what we provide. It says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The discipline is where you lay down the law. The instruction is a little more relational. That's the next point about the love. But kids need boundaries. Kids need lines. And that's where the dads come and say, this is the law of God. And our family, you need to know, our family is submitted to this. And we are committing our lives to this, to live this together. So this is the way it's going to be. Here are the lines. This is what we will do and will not do as a family of God. And kids need those boundaries. They're just kids. They don't, they don't have a good sense of boundaries. So they need rules. They need the law to be laid down. And they need to be accountable to toe the line. They need to know when they've crossed it. These boundaries that God has set for them. And that's, you know, by and large, dad's job to lay the law down, God's law down, and then enforce it. And that sometimes that means being strict and not permissive in these areas. But our kids need to, to grow with this clear concept of right and wrong, the way God sees it. So they need boundaries and they need lines, but they also... Uh, need love. And that's the instruction part. And I say love because the, instru- the word for instruction uh, has to do with imparting wisdom. It's just more relational. So you can't always show up with the rod of discipline. Then we'll just make our kids angry as, if all we want to talk about is the law and the rod of discipline. This is more relational. This is where we sit down and we have those heart to heart talks. You know, what's in your heart? And this is in my heart. And you affirm your love, but you are Purposing to impart the law of God and the wisdom of God. And these are the teaching moments, the teaching opportunities where we we want to reach their hearts because we want them to know God. And it's kind of the same word for counseling or or mentoring or coming alongside reasoning and persuading. We are instructing them. So. Discipline lays down the rules and the instructions where we we talk, but we also listen. Part of offering instructions to our kids is understanding where they are so we know what instruction to give. I can't tell you how many times I did not check with my kids to see where they were. And I went on and on lecturing about something that didn't even apply. So sometimes we want to also listen. We need a balance of both. Josh McDowell says, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So again, you see that balance. It can't just all be the love and and instruction. They need discipline. They they need to know there are consequences. But it can't all be laying down the law because they need the love and the affirmation and the instruction. Or we'll be pushing those buttons and provoking to anger. That's how we can keep them from getting uh, frustrated. So what is the point in all of this as we close? Well, we're bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's all for God. And it's all with the hope that through our successes and our failures, that we are bringing our children to the foot of the cross. We are introducing them to the gospel. You know, the big thing 
that we hear today in our culture. It's been trendy for a while now. You hear it in the media all the time. I hear this all the time. I watch it all the time in movies. And you, and you hear the parents say, I don't want to impose my religion on my kids. I don't want to impose it. I want them to make their own decisions in life. I, I want them to own it. I want to, them to see it for themselves. So, and sure, it would be great if they wound up being the same religion than I am. But I'm not going to make them read their Bibles. I'm not going to make them go to church. I'm not going to make them do what I do because I want them to own it. So uh, the Torah, the Koran, uh, Holy Scriptures, whatever it is, I want them to discover their own path and choose it on their own. It's not my place to impose that upon them. That's not biblical. The, the, the parents are instructed to teach the kids to be disciplined in the graces of God and to read their Bibles so that they can get to know God. That's the whole purpose of all of this is so that they will become a child of God. Sure, we can't make the decision for them. We, we do want to we have to give them some some breath there, some breathing room. But we while we have them, we want to just. Expose them to the truth and the love, model it and speak it as much as we possibly can so that they will come to faith on their own. It's not telling them what to do or making them do it. But if we don't, we just harm them. As a matter of fact, uh, I think it might have been last Father's Day where I cited a study that has been done that if we actually offer our kids instruction that's wrong. And, and, and a set of values into the home that's wrong, it's better than if we don't offer them anything at all. They are more stable than if we didn't offer them anything at all because that's how badly kids need boundaries. That's how badly they need truths. They need the wisdom of their parents to be passed down. The worst thing we can do, as modern as it is, is to just say, well, go out and discover whatever God you want to discover, whatever Lord you want to live for, or no Lord at all. Just go out and do that, because I don't want to impose any of my life's experiences into yours. That is the worst thing we can do, and that will cause angst and anger and aimlessness, and that child will be beating the fool out of a stuffed animal some day. So we want to take every opportunity that we can to lead them to God. Whenever we have a baby dedication, what do we do? We ask the parents to make a pledge to take every opportunity to lead them to Christ, to pray with them, to read the scriptures to them. As a congregation, we do the same thing. We promise to support the parents that, that are dedicating their children to God's service. And as a church family, we want to provide opportunities to do this. So following Christ. Buttons, yardsticks, lines, and love. I hope that this scripture has encouraged you as a dad and challenged you. And I just want us to close with the idea and the knowledge and the truth that the gospel gives us everything as dads that we need to provide these to our children. God knows we're not going to do it perfectly, but we have the tools through the gospel, the power of God, the grace of God, the wisdom of God, the transforming power of God in our hearts to provide these for our kids and trust and faith that we're not on our own in our parenting. So happy Father's Day.
guys, and God bless you. May he bless the preaching of his word.